Hello, and welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and today we'll be talking with Professor Charlie Beckett from the London School of Economics, where he is founding director of POLIS, a media think tank for research and debate around international journalism. From the fear of invisible algorithmic technologies to limited funding for journalism innovation, Professor Beckett explains to us the challenges newsrooms face with AI adaption and adoption. He talks to us about Polis's Journalism AI Project, a global initiative aiming to inform media organizations about the potential offered by AI technologies. Let's take a listen to our conversation with him now. Charlie Beckett, thank you so much today for joining us on Conversations with Data. I just wanted to start off uh, by having you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey, you know, from the BBC and Channel 4 to academia. Yeah, I was an incredibly um, traditional journalist back in the last century, indeed. Yeah, I started on local papers and worked my way up through television news at the BBC and so on. And then uh, I left Channel 4 News, which is a fantastic uh, place to work, back in 2006 to become uh, director of a new journalism think tank at the LSE uh, called Polis. And it was a bit like doing a startup. You know, I was given this blank a sheet of paper to create it. And the most obvious thing at that moment was that journalism was exploding with all these new technological uh, waves, you know, the move online, the explosion of social media. And I wrote a book about network journalism back in 2008. Uh, so my work has been about all the stuff I couldn't do when I was a journalist with all these digital uh, technologies and how that's impacted. And for me, that was the attraction of looking at uh, AI, which was, to me, it's the kind of latest wave of this technologically driven change. And so tell us a little bit about Polis and its mission and also the work you're doing around AI and journalism. Well, Polis is, uh, you know, a journalism think tank within the Department of Media and Communications at the LSE. So it's in one of the most cerebral intellectual research institutions in the world. And it's very global, which is important. Um, But our task has been absolutely to be there for the journalists. I spend all my time working with journalists or with people who are affected by journalism, you know, voters, politicians, etc. And the idea was to provide a, a forum to talk about journalism and journalism change and its impact on society um, and to do research of course but primarily it was to be this kind of bridge between uh, the researchers the academics uh, and the journalists themselves and increasingly it's become a bridge within journalism so our task and the you know the job I'm doing at the moment with this journalism AI project is very much to connect uh, journalists around the world and in different sectors you know big news in, uh, institutions or perhaps local uh, newsrooms as well uh, so that's our idea it's it's to share knowledge share best practice and have those kind of conversations and what's excited me uh, about this whole process over the last 15 years of doing it is there is a real appetite on the part of the journalists when i was a journalist we didn't talk about 
our trade. It was kind of a given. And we were a little bit protective and defensive about opening up. But of course, as we all know, you know, journalism is, is in crisis. It's desperate for new ideas. It's just desperate for you know, new ways of doing things. And so journalists have got much better at talking to each other and other people uh, to find new ways to improve what they do. And what about um, your AI and journalism work there at Polis? Yeah, well, this this started, as I mentioned, you know, it's partly because for me, it I'd already kind of been dabbling, obviously, in, in looking at some of the ways that uh, this collection of technologies and ideas around AI was having an impact on things like revenue, on subscriptions or paywalls, personalization. And of course, you know, in the, in the journalism itself, in terms of investigative journalism, the Panama Papers, data journalism, all the stuff you know so much about. Um, and it, it struck me that this was more than just another little gimmick or another tool. Uh, the, this was systematic. Uh, and so last year, with, I should say, you know, the subsidy from uh, the lovely people at Google, we were able to do this global survey. Because the first thing was to find out what, what is going on out there. And there was an incredibly varied and uh, rich picture of all sorts of uh, activity in all sorts of newsrooms, in all all parts of the news process, you know, all the way from news gathering to news delivery, if you like, uh, and so that was uh, uh, you know really interesting to find out what's going on. But most importantly, the survey also told us about where were the gaps, where were the challenges, what were the problems, and so in the second year, i.e., right now this year, uh, we've been working on trying to find not solutions, but at least pathways. Um, so, you know, one of the big things that people told us was that there was a huge knowledge problem, a kind of skills problem, but just an understanding problem. And so we created a training course. People told us that they were really struggling um, to be able to find the time uh, and resource to do innovation, you know, to prototype uh, new ideas, to think outside the box. Uh, and so, again, we created a experimental collaboration project to do precisely that now you know this isn't going to change the world we're not going to save uh, journalism but we listened to what they said we looked at what was happening and then we at least tried to address that with some kind of um, solution or pathway and what were some of the key findings um, you know from a geographical perspective sure well i think we know that um, you know, there are certain parts of the world where journalism is richer. You know, obviously in the States, despite all the problems with, you know, the business model there, you still have very rich, big organizations like the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and they are all doing amazing stuff with AI. Uh, and then elsewhere in, in Europe, it's very, very strong, um, particularly around uh, corporations like Shipstead, for example, or, or um, um, Spiegel. Um, but also public service organizations like the BBC, who still has that uh, capacity. Um, and elsewhere, of course, you know, in Asia, there are uh, media organizations with enough resource. But the big message was there are huge inequalities. And this is partly to do with wealth and the sort of development status of those media markets. But it's also um, because of things like language. You know, most of this technology comes in English. <laughs> and uh, a lot of... Um, language-specific marketplaces 
um, find it difficult, for example, to adapt certain tools because they have to literally, you know, translate them into their local conditions. So one of the exciting things about, you know, the, the project we're doing now is that we have literally uh, people all the way from Hong Kong to Argentina uh, involved. And, you know, there's a way that you can catch up. It's not all about size. Um, these tools are replicable, you know, uh, once you know about them, once you can think about how they might be useful to you, then it could be a local newsroom that does it. Some of the people involved work for quite small specialist organizations. They don't have to be uh, the media giants. Right. And what kind of innovation did you find was happening with AI and newsrooms from, from this report you put out? Some of it is, um, you know, very, uh, you could say quite, sexy you know the kind of investive journalism type stuff you know that's quite spectacular in its impact and some of it was terribly um sort of gimmicky and clever like uh, bots that you could use for so readers could personalize their news consumption on a on a website um from finland for example but a lot of it frankly is quite mundane and that's because you know, we're not talking about trying to create super clever robots that can replace human beings. You're actually trying to create often quite repetitious, mundane programs that can do the boring stuff. You know, they can do the kind of routine journalism that can be automated, for example, leaving the human beings to do the more, you know, creative, critical, intelligent, judgmental, um, emotional type journalism so in fact a lot of it if you look at somewhere like bloomberg a lot of what they're doing uh, is let's be honest quite boring it's doing company reports for example or, or share market trading reports and they have to be done very very quickly and at vast scale in themselves they're not very exciting either as journalism or indeed as software you know, this isn't hugely sophisticated. I think the technological challenge, and I should say I'm not a technologist, uh, but the technology, not technology challenge is this, there's two types of them. One is the simple making it relevant and work. Yes, you can process data at vast levels and so on, but why would you do that? You know, is it going to be relevant? Is it going to produce stuff that's worth having uh, and then there's the other order of problem which is if you like the complexity one can you make this software sophisticated enough so for example you know there was a lot of uh, talk about automatic story writing you know the idea that you've now got these programs which can at least make an effort at trying to take a little data set and then turn it into a piece of text and as they found out it's actually rather difficult to do that uh, so the idea that those human functions are going to be replaced overnight is a little bit previous that is still i think it might come and i think there's going to be more of it than we think um, but that's going to take uh, quite a few more years to, um, to be developed. And what are some of the concerns you think journalists should have when it comes to responsible adoption of AI? Yeah, well, responsible is the key word, isn't it? Um, you know, we called the, the report <clears throat> new powers and responsibilities. Uh, and in some senses, this is just the same responsibilities that we hope journalists always have, that they should be aware of the bias in their own processes. And as we know, algorithms are trained by people, so 
they can have biases. Um, that's a, uh, an obvious one. And some of those biases can be ethically very problematic around race, for example. On the other hand, they can also counter perhaps some of your human biases. They can be monitorial about what you, you do. So there's that issue about a kind of ethical editorial uh, responsibility. Um, I think there's also a, a responsibility around um, transparency, you know, that whether you let the people within your newsroom know how these things work and what you tell your users about uh, the automation, not particularly of story creation perhaps, but things like personalization. You know, do you have a responsibility to make sure that people get a healthy diet rather than automating for clickbait? Um, so that's an editorial uh, decision that you have to make. I don't think the problem um, or the challenge is, as I said, that this technology is going to replace jobs, but it is certainly going to change the sort of structure of the way that you work. And at that point, there are decisions, that strategic decisions, uh, that people have to make. Are they going to reinvest any savings in editorial or are they going to use it to sort of plug a financial gap, for example? There are decisions around um, personalization, for example. You know, do you just want to give people uh, what they want? Do you want to give them your most popular content or are there clever ways you can think of so that you can promote perhaps your less popular content and bring attention to that? So generally speaking, the people we talked to uh, were enthusiastic. You know, their main, uh, the main challenges they saw were ones of adaption and adoption. They didn't see many sort of dystopian examples of the, the robots or automation running wild and creating ghastly, offensive or problematic uh, content or relationships. And were there any other surprising findings that you came across in this report? Well, I think the, the big one I've already mentioned is the inequality. And I thought that was interesting, you know, the inequality of adaption and adoption. I think there was also um, this idea of the knowledge problem, the culture problem, which wasn't just about the kind of dinosaur problem, although it was partly of that. Uh, it was often a kind of intellectual uh, Int um, intimidation, especially with senior managers, frankly, uh, that they see this as so complicated, the black box of the algorithms. Let's leave it to those tech whiz kids, you know, let's get on with our traditional journalism. So there's a kind of defensiveness around that. And I think the other reaction was, well, partly that the robots are going to take our jobs, but also that they're going to create more work. Because for journalists, their experience of new technologies is yes, they're wonderful. Can you imagine uh, not using a mobile phone? Can you imagine not using you know, Google search, for example? Uh, but on the other hand, it often generates more work. You have to learn new skills. You suddenly have to serve more outlets, for example. You have to think harder about your subscription uh, model. Uh, so in that sense, they're right. This isn't some sort of get out of jail free card. You don't just turn on the, uh, the machines and, and go and uh, sit on the sun, sound, sun lounger, you know. Um, so there is genuine effort. And it's an effort that comes obviously at a time when journalists are under huge, huge pressures anyway. So the idea of having to sort of take an interest 
you don't have to master the technology but you certainly have to take an interest you have to understand it because it's going to be in your newsroom it's going to be in your world frankly the whole world is going to have more of this stuff and that's going to include your newsroom so if you even if you are a pure driven editorial person who just wants to write great stories you should know about this and that's why you know one of the first things we created was this training course which is it uh, doesn't tell you how to code, doesn't tell you how to make a tool. It just explains what this is and the different ways it can uh, you know, impact on you, your newsrooms. And I think that was the biggest thing that came out of our report um, was the, the, the skills deficit, the, the, inner, the difficulty of attracting you know, specialist tech people to lure them away from much better paid jobs with you know, the social networks or with um, fintech or something, but also that general need for more knowledge amongst everyone from marketing to editorial. And tell us where we can find this course you're talking about. I know it was with Google News Initiative and VRT. Yeah, VRT, the Belgian um, news organization. One of the key things we're doing with all this training is we're not building it as academics or teachers. We're building it with journalists, you know, asking them, what do you need to know? What do you think your colleagues should know? Uh, so, you know, that training course, which is hosted, we've got a big website. The website's got tons of resources. It's got the report, of course. Uh, it links to the, the training courses, which is hosted by uh, our sponsors, Google. Um, but also there's a whole load of case studies and reading lists and other information for people at our uh, the Polis LSE Journalism AI website. Brilliant. And tell us about the Journalism AI Collab, this initiative you just started in June. Yeah, this is so, so much fun, Tara. I mean, I, I have not enjoyed myself um, for a long time uh, doing something like this. It's been tricky because, as we all know, we're all working remotely. Um, but we've got a, a more than 40 journalists from every kind of all news organization around the world, from Hong Kong to Argentina. And they're working on a series of challenges. And those could range from how do we uh, get more editorial diversity uh, in our content, all the way to uh, how do you kind of maximize uh, the revenue from you know subscription models for example um, so they're they're in a kind of race they've divided off into these lovely groups uh, they've just been working for a couple of months and their energy and their thoughtfulness has been inspiring they're sparking off each other sharing experiences coming up with ideas that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do in their own newsroom you know what it's like in your newsroom you, you're sort of thinking about the next day or the next week and you have to stick to a precise plan and there has to be an outcome and a return on investment etc etc this allows them to breathe a little bit and mingle uh, virtually at least, uh, with people from different uh, backgrounds. And what we try to do, we've got um, a group of fantastic, we're calling them coaches, kind of standout uh, editorial innovators who are going to be able to act as consultants. Um, and the idea is that by the autumn, they will come up with something. Uh, it could. We don't think they'll come up with a finished, beautifully produced tool uh, or system, but they'll come up perhaps with a prototype or an idea for uh, some kind of prototype or a system, a different way of doing things. And we hope that that will 
you know, then be uh, applicable, that it will be something that could be turned uh, into something useful, uh, not just for one news organization, but, you know, spread across. So the process itself, I think, has already been really valuable. I found it so um, both inspiring, but also insightful. It's really made me think about how these technologies might be applied the limits, but also the possibilities. Uh, but it's also just really interesting seeing journalists, you know, thinking through the potential. And as you alluded to earlier, you know, the kind of responsibilities around it as well. I'm curious, what kind of backgrounds do these people have who are involved in this initiative? Are they coders? Are they journalists? Do they have, do they cross over and have both skills? They would, they, I was about to say they are typically, but they're not typical. Um, one of the nice things is we've got a very high uh, level of uh, women, for example, which is interesting. Um, I think generally they would be the some of them would be in a digi so-called digital team. You know, they might literally be in the R and D team if you've got that. But others are journalists in a newsroom who are you know working desperately twenty four seven to get the news out. But they are starting to use these. Uh, AI tools, or they're thinking about it, um, so they want to get involved. So there are very varying levels of technological competence. Some of them are absolutely yes, from a tech background. Um, all of them work in you know news organisations, uh, and others are very much at the other end of the spectrum. As I say, people who are, I don't know what you would call it, pure journalists, <laughs> editorial types, um, and they're not. You know, obviously, we haven't got these. This is not a global gathering of, of editors. Uh, some of them are quite senior, others less so. Again, a really good spread of ages. Uh, and that all makes for a much more kind of fertile uh, interaction. And if people did want to get involved at this stage, is it a bit too late? It's a bit too late to actually get on board completely in, in these projects. Um, you know, because they're already a couple of months down the line um, and it has been phenomenally popular. I thought a whole bunch would drop out and they haven't, <laughs> which is delightful. Not so far anyway. Um, but we do have this wider network. We've got about 1,100, 1,200 people who have signed up for our newsletter. And so you can still stay in touch with this process. You will be told about it and you will be able to, you know, join webinars and so on at some point where you can find out more about it as well. And we hope, you know, if this is uh, successful, that it's something that we can roll out and repeat uh, over subsequent uh, years. Because there's a kind of paradox, again, I thought that with the whole COVID situation, uh, which obviously means all the journalists are overworked, but also that um, the money is tight and the time is tight, I thought that might dampen uh, people's enthusiasm. But it's actually the opposite. They actually need an outlet they need a space uh, where they can do this more uh, innovative thinking yeah that makes sense um in terms of other resources i know you have um i saw on your website a section for case studies what's one of your favorite case studies that you've seen around the application yeah. of ai in the newsroom well there are so many and, and what i like is uh, what struck me and this is one of the reasons I'm somebody who looks at how journalism as a whole has changed. I don't have a particular uh, focus on one bit of the production uh, process. I'm interested in strategy and systems. 
And it was clear to me when we started doing the research, this is these technologies um, sort of seep into every aspect of it. And so you get quite, you know, um, sophisticated uh, revenue generation models, which try and predict what kind of content would make you more likely uh, to subscribe to a particular news organization. And that's, you know, that's money grabbing tech, but that's great because we, we know we need we need the money. At the other end, of course, you get uh, wonderful uh, investigative data journalism uh, like the Ukrainian project, which was looking at illegal, um, I think the copper mines, um, and it used you know, image recognition to be able to, to track that. But I also quite like the, the use of tech to kind of monitor or to help the journalist in the newsroom. Um, lots of clever ways for uh, finding better sources. But also perhaps my favorite was the, I think it was called the, the, the Janet bot at the FT, and there was a Finnish version as well, which monitored uh, the gender of images used online by a particular news organization. So it was able to, to tell you whether you, most obviously, you were not um, showing many images of women. In other words, you weren't interviewing many women. You weren't doing stories that featured women. And if your aspiration is to be better gender balanced, then this was a really good bit of information to have. And it, it was continuous. So it's kind of tapping the editor on the shoulder and saying, hey, you know, we're slipping here. We're slipping here. Think about this. Think about this. And I thought that was a, a very neat little uh, device that sort of helped improve the quality of the journalism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm curious, you mentioned uh, you may be hosting webinars. Have you hosted any during COVID online? And, and, and are you planning on rolling any out soon? Yeah, we, we, I've been taking part in endless um, uh, webinars about journalism and talking about AI. Uh, what we're hoping to do, perhaps in the going to be more in the autumn, uh, especially when we start to get some results from the collab process, is we're going to start featuring some of the ideas that are being generated, but also some of the expertise. You know, we've got these coaches that are coming in, so we're going to start working perhaps initially with the network. So I recommend people sign up to you know our little network. It's all free. Get the newsletter, and then you'll know about these, um, and possibly going public because um, I think there's so many great ideas around this. But also, as you said, there should be a proper debate, a debate from the journalists about, well, how is this going to reshape uh, the news industry and what we do, uh, but also the public, you know, what kind of uh, journalism do they want? How can this, uh, these technologies help them? You know, what do they really want from news? And I'm just curious, are there any other top resources you can recommend for journalists so they can start educating themselves? Well, obviously, I'd, I'd say start. I mean, literally, that's what it was designed for. Start with our training course. It's only one hour. This is not a 10-week type process. Um, just one hour, which will at least give you that heads up. And it will, you know, your toe will then be in the, the AI waters. Um, so that's a good place to start. There are some great books. You interviewed Nick Diacopoulos, who had a, a rather more academic take with automating the news. And there's Francesco Marconi, who's also written a much more newsroom-focused book on um, AI and journalism. And people are starting to create uh, courses 
but they're they're, they are more academic at this stage i think the j schools are still still catching up but for me our focus has been relentlessly on how can journalists who are working adapt to these uh, technologies and as i say it's they are technically quite complicated but in practice um, you know, from a, 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 an editorial newsroom point of view, are probably less so. You know, uh, I don't know how a car engine works, but I do know how to drive. And it's learning how to drive these technologies that's the most important thing. Um, and I, I, I may be, you know, um, guilty of over-optimism, but I think that even if you don't think that you're going to be using these, you should be paying attention because they might be useful to you. If you are somebody who wants more time to get on with your journalism, you know, the human side of it, then you're better off being in a newsroom where the boring bits are being looked after more uh, by the machines. And I'm just curious, you mentioned a lot of different tools, or you, you talk about tools, but you don't mention any particular. Are there any off the top of your head that are quite time-saving for journalists that you know are using automation? There's all sorts of translation tools, um, transcription tools like Trint, for example. You know, some of these, you don't even think of them. I mean, AI is a big word. Most of this is actually versions of machine learning automation that kind of thing and some of the stuff that people call ai is often really just spreadsheets you know um but i think in a way the a lot of this tech is invisible and that's in some ways that's good you know so when you're using trint uh, i mean for god's sake when you're using search it's a form of algorithms you know and you learn how to adapt your search uh, to use those algorithms in a way that suits suits you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely the tools there. Um, but then there's the stuff, if you like, the background stuff, like um, uh, Radar, the, the, the news service that um, trawls through uh, national data sets and then reversions them so they're relevant to particular geographical locales, in other words, local news outlets. Now, you know, as a, a journalist in a local newsroom, you don't care that that's AI that's done that job. It's bringing data, it's bringing uh, stories to you. And finally, I just wonder, what do you think is the biggest difficulty journalists face with AI adoption? Money. Yeah, I think like anything else, again, um, because it's systematic, um, it's not just like, um, you know, hiring a new uh, expert or something or buying a one-off bit of kit um, generally speaking when you bring AI into your news organization in a significant way it means you do have to adapt in a strategic way in the same way that when you went online originally uh, you had to start altering your processes you had to have a digital team or an online team um, so I think that is the major cost it's not just money in terms of let's spend the money to get the, the, the shiny new things. It's investing the time and money over time um, because a lot of these things take, you know, especially if you're developing a, a, a product of sort of from scratch, it will take you three, six months to develop uh, and make it work and then another six months perhaps to iterate it. And then you still have to pay attention to it. It doesn't just go off and run itself. So there's not easy bucks here. Um, and I think that is, that is the biggest 
problem is applying those uh, resources and having the uh, general knowledge in the newsroom uh, to do that in an efficient way. And there's no easy answer to that, I'm afraid. We hope that as these technologies become uh, more mature and more uh, adapted, uh, that they'll be re replicable. You know, somebody else will do this stuff so you can get it off the peg. You know, you, people have ironed out the, the kinks uh, in the software, so there's going to be less of a uh, implementation problem for yourself. We're still, in some ways, a lot of this tech is quite old. You know, machine learning has been around for a while, um, but it is rapidly developing. I mean, as with all AI technologies at the moment in any field, pharmaceuticals or retail or security. The difference is that pharmaceuticals or fintech has got gazillions of dollars uh, to develop these and it can do it at scale. The news industry uh, is relatively small and has far less money there for independent R&D. And that's why, you know, love them or loathe them, we should work with, you know, the tech companies and indeed with universities and other partners who can help news organizations uh, to see what might work for them. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, uh, Professor Charlie Beckett, for joining us today on Conversations with Data. That was absolutely fascinating. Great. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this, you can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Want to hear more interesting discussions on innovation and journalism? Why not attend News Impact Summit? This year it's back, but it's online for the first time ever, and it's organized by the European Journalism Center and powered by Google News Initiative. And I'm also happy to say datajournalism.com is a partner in this event too. The summit will take place in October and November 2020 and will cover three topics driving innovation in journalism, audience, audio and voice, and data journalism. It's free to attend and you can find out more by visiting www.newsimpact.io. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.